You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. So did anybody here go to Hume Lake this week? Yeah, y'all have no voice left. You're like, wow. Because you know, when I come back from Hume Lake, I have no voice. It's yelled, it's sang, it's talked out. It's just absolutely gone. Heard it was an awesome week, uh, but you guys missed something last week. It was sweet because we had over 21 people get baptized in their clothes last week. It was awesome. So cool. Just to see people making that step of obedience. And some of you right here, you're just doing it. You're like, I made a right decision. I got baptized last week. And we're so glad you did that. We'll give the youth an opportunity to get baptized here in just a few weeks if they made a decision at camp. But it's going to be just uh, phenomenal. We're in a series right now called Tension. And I don't know about you, but some people love tension. Some people don't like tension. But tension is important. We talk about this idea that the song is in the tension. If you have a guitar, it's not just the guitar. You have to actually have tension on those strings, and it has to be precisely at the right amount. Otherwise, there's no song. The song exists in the tension, and there are certain tensions in our lives that we need to really manage. We need to just kind of look at. And I want to just today deal with a, a whole different idea. I know a girl who... She was studying biological computations, and she grew up in a church where she wasn't allowed to ask good questions. She naturally assumed that the church didn't think much when it came to science, and so she left the church. I read some, about some parents not long ago who had a belief in the Bible, and they thought it was all about the Bible, but their belief in the Bible was just one degree off, and they felt like the Bible would instruct them to not go seek outside help apart from the Bible. Well, their daughter got sick and she died of what otherwise would be just a naturally treatable disease. And the parents felt that their belief in God failed them when in reality the courts ruled that they were negligent in the care of their child. I know a man who, just a great guy, but when I talk to this guy, he, he keeps bringing up this idea that he just feels like on the inside, I feel like I should have been a pastor. He's not a pastor, but he feels like, I should have been a pastor, and, and, he, and he always feels like he's a little bit uh, frustrated, because he doesn't think his job leads to eternal results, but he thinks everything a pastor does leads to eternal results, and, uh, and let me tell you, not everything we do <laughs> leads to eternal results, but he feels like that, right? But he happens, listen, this guy happens to be very, very good at racial re uh, reconciliation and business leadership. He's great at it. He's so good at it, but he just feels like, well, unless I was somehow a pastor, then my life doesn't quite have, my job doesn't quite have the eternal results. And I'm thinking, man, you, you have access to people and you're doing what is more the heart of God in many ways, but he just feels like, no, maybe I just have felt, maybe the message he grew up hearing in church is that somehow he should have been a pastor. I know a high school student who wrote a paper alluding to intelligent design in microevolution, not macroevolution, but in microevolution. And he received a bad grade and was insulted publicly by that science teacher for trusting faith instead of science. Well, that student decided to be quiet about faith and just go along with the flow from that day forward. And I know a mom who was struggling with her past. And so she was struggling with shame, and, and she was struggling with some codependency, and she went to, be, uh, to see a Christian counselor, and she walked through a year of Christian counseling, and she discovered practical tools that she actually needed to help heal her past and to break away from shame and the codependency that she was facing. 
and she always wondered, she was like, this was such helpful information, but she wondered why the Bible didn't seem to include all that helpful information because she found it so transforming in her recovery and in her life. And in this series, we're looking at the importance of tension. And we, we're looking at several. We've looked already in a couple of weeks in this series, we've looked at this idea that you can know God, but God is also a mystery. That you can know God personally, but God can do whatever he wants to do because he's God. You can know God and he's a mystery. We've also looked at this idea that God has an ideal. His principles work in scripture. He has an ideal for how you should live your life, an ideal for how you should walk in marriage, an ideal in the way that you ought to live. He has an ideal, but the beautiful thing is that God also uses broken people. There's a tension between the two because we understand our brokenness, but we still understand that God has an ideal. And today we're going to look at these two. We're going to look at the fact that the Bible is all true. It's all true. And everything true about life is not necessarily in the Bible. That there are truths outside of the Bible that are important for us to learn, important for us to grab our, a hold of, important for us that's helpful in life and in various disciplines. And today I want to just look at those ideas. If you have your outline, take it out. There's some stuff, it's a, a, kind of a developed outline today. You're going to want to take some notes on that. And then on the inside, we're going to look at some of the things that are on the inside of that in just a little bit. But one of the things I want you to realize, number one on your outline is this. Tension. It's not a problem to solve. It's a tension to manage, right? It's not a problem to solve. It's a, it's a tension to manage. That, that Here's this tension between two ideas, and, and there, neither one is a problem to solve. If you try to solve the problem, then, then you're missing out on something. So on, if one day if you try to go, hey, the Bible's all true and it's all we ever need, suddenly you write off other meaningful truths that are helpful in life that actually aren't anti-Christian. They're, they're just good truths. On the other hand, if it, let's say it was science. On the other hand, if you tried to say, hey, it's all science and not the Bible, then you're going to miss out on the very thing that would save you. It's not a problem to solve. It's a tension to manage. Well, why is tension important? Why is it important for you as a parent to manage tension? Why is it important for you as a student to manage tension? Why is it important for you as a grandparent or as a single adult to manage tension? Well, one day your friend is going to come to you. One day, one of your kids is going to come to you. One day, your spouse is going to come to you, or even your son or daughter will come to you, or maybe you yourself will even face an issue that's not directly addressed in the Bible, and you think, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? The Bible is true. And I want you to understand something about the Bible. I'll use this for a moment, that the Bible is all true. I want you to understand something about it. The, when people say, well, there's Bible stories, I want you to understand something, that they're not stories in the Bible like somebody made them up, like a, an allegory or a, you know, something like that. The, the, the things that are in the Bible are true historical accounts. Jesus, every now and then, spoke in parables, and those were always identified as parables with a story with an intended result. But the miracles are all true. The Bible is all true. The accounts and the events are historical. The principles in Scripture work if you apply them. The miracles actually happen. The gospel message is real and will transform your life today. Our priority is to let people know that the Bible is all true. It's inspired. It's the breathed word of God. 
I want you to hear that. People think, oh, well, it was written by different authors, and, and there was a human component, and humans are fallible, so the Bible can be fallible. And the truth is, it was, the humans were the scribes, but it was God-breathed. This book is living. It's alive. It's active. It will transform your faith. It will apply to your life. It will help you reason in your mind. It will give peace to your soul. It will assure you of God's love, and it will challenge your disobedience. This is a living and active work of God. Those people who wrote the Bible were inspired. They were not just like inspirational. They were inspired as God breathed his Holy Spirit, breathed the words of God as they wrote those things down. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The scripture is clear. It's from God. And let me tell you something. God doesn't make mistakes. Sometimes you think God makes mistakes, but the truth is God doesn't make mistakes. He's God. He just doesn't. We, he doesn't always do things in the timing that we want him to do, but he does not make mistakes. And God is good at preservation. He's so good at preservation that when he died, he could come back to life. Humans can't do that. You can't do that. I can't do that apart from God. God is amazing at preservation, and he's amazing at preserving his word, at keeping his promises, at preserving this book. And sometimes people wonder if, well, after all these years, certainly some things had to change. After all these years, of course, it's translated from different languages and so forth. But God is amazing at preserving his word. You know how many people have tried to kill this book, have tried to burn it, destroy it over the course of history? God is good at keeping his word in front of people. He just is. He's able to protect. He's able to promise and keep his promises. He's able to preserve. In fact, he's able to do it, and that's why, because of Jesus' death on the cross, you and I can have eternal life because he's fully able to back up his word. In your, Bible, in your outline, you've got a little sheet on the Bible. If you open up to the middle of your outline, you'll see one thing that says the Bible. Let's give some Bible facts real quick. It was written over a span of 1,600 years on three different continents by 40 different authors. It was written in Aramaic and Hebrew and Greek in three languages, and yet it has one primary theme, the glory of God in the salvation of humanity. That's its one purpose. I mean, think about it. 40 different authors that don't contradict. That's one of the ways you know it's from God. 40 different authors over 1,600 years talk about changes in thinking and mindset and centuries. It's from God. That's the Bible, and the Bible is all true. And you need to know that the Bible is all true. And you need to know, listen, some other things. That not everything true about life is in the Bible, but there are some other things true about life. But let me address the Bible. The Bible is the final authority when it comes to spiritual issues. This is it. It's the final authority. The Bible is the final authority, the ultimate one when it comes to theology. The Bible is it. The Bible is the final authority on all issues that it addresses, but some things are just not in there. The Bible wasn't, it's like the old preacher would say this. He said, listen, the Bible wasn't written to tell you how the heavens go. It was written to tell you how to go to heaven. The intent of the Bible, its purpose, is to lead you into relationship with Almighty God. That's the intent of it. But so often we try to look at the Bible to find other and validate other truths in life that may or may not be why the Bible is written depending on the issue. It was written to tell you and I 
how to go to heaven. And we just need to understand that, listen, there is some other information that we need to have. Some of you in this room, you've been through some counseling. Some of you in this room, you've been through um, some job training. Some of you in this room, you've uh, walked in recovery, and you know by going through these different things that there is other helpful information out there that you need to have. You need to have to function in life. You need to have to operate the way that you need to and not get paralyzed where you are. There's other information that we need. And so we need to lean in to our friends and our kids and say, listen, the Bible is the final authority. The Bible shows us how to live. It's God's plan. It's the true account of God. And there's some other things that God has given in life that we can understand and learn from as well. If you have your Bible, open with me to Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse 20. Romans 1, beginning with verse 20. Paul writes this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Hold that verse up there for a moment. The highlighted part tells us something. That God is revealing himself to people. But the highlighted part tells us something. It tells us that there is a whole category of information by which God reveals himself that he wants us to know that, listen, is not in this book. There's a whole nother category out there that God reveals himself in direct revelation through this book, but there's a whole means of ways that God reveals himself through general revelation. And that's what it's talking about, that God reveals that we ought to understand. He's built this other information into our world. He's built it into our lives so that we can actually learn from each other. Uh, we can learn these disciplines from all other disciplines of life, all other places, a lot of other things. And these are truths that you and I should be good stewards to learn. L let me give you an example. Can you learn about leadership from a non-Christian leader? Of course you can, right? There's some other truths about organizational leadership, about people dynamics that are learned through experience, but it may or may not be directly in this book, but you could learn it, and it may be true. Can you, uh, can you learn and interview uh, teachers and people who study education? We have a lot of educators in this room, and if you're a parent, a lot of times you're going to go uh, ask a teacher or a person who's really studied education to understand learning styles and development and how lifespan works, and you're going to ask all these kind of questions, and you could learn some things from that, couldn't you? About the point where your child is right in that moment. Why do you and I go to Disney? Is Mickey in the Bible? Nope, Mickey's not in the Bible. But God made people who have the ability to make creativity so inspiring. That's why you go to Disney. Can you learn truths in creativity from other sources outside of the Bible? Of course you can. You can totally do it, not because Mickey's in the Bible. Can you learn how to handle your organization? Uh, how, can you learn how to walk and have street smarts and safety by interviewing first responders or dealing with tragedy? People who are trained to do that, could you learn better how to provide security or deal with crisis? Absolutely, you could do that. There are other truths that are true about life that are actually not in this book. Here's what I'm saying. 
Reggie Joyner says this. He says, we don't have any excuses, Christians, not to learn everything we can possibly learn to do the jobs that God has called us to do as best as we could possibly do them. Again, as Christians, listen to me. We don't have any excuse not to learn everything we can possibly learn to do the jobs that God has called us to do as best as we could possibly do them. We need to be good students, don't we? There is other information that's not in the Bible that is critical to us understanding God, understanding life, and to relate to one another. Yeah, there's truth out there in life, and it's not biblical, but listen, there is a big difference between something that is anti-biblical and something that is non-biblical, right? There's a big difference between something that's anti, against the Bible, and something that's just not in the Bible. It's just not found in the Bible. There are truths in life about leadership and some other things. They're not anti-biblical. It's true about life. It's true about, you know, organizational dynamics. It's true about people, but it may or may not be in here. It's non-biblical, but let me tell you, those truths are not anti-biblical. It's important for you and I to understand that. It was interesting. We went on vacation this year. We went, we drove all the way to Canada, all the way to Vancouver, Canada, up the coastline, and then we came back down through the middle, and on our way back down, we stopped at the Boeing airplane tour, uh, factory tour in Everett, Washington. Any of you been on that tour? It's a pretty phenomenal couple of us in this room. It's phenomenal. Okay, the place happens. This is where they build Boeing airplanes, 747s, so, I mean, all these different ones, and they build them. In, it's the largest single structure building in the world. They can see it from space. It's crazy. It's just huge. It's a massive building. And when you're in there, you see the dynamics of like how manufacturing happens to create this thing that's the size of a building that you're going to put three or 400 people in that's going to take off and actually fly, and then you think it's going to get us there safely. And when you and I get on a plane, you and I put faith and trust that there are other truths in physics and in, in design that are actually going to allow us to get there safely. And you sit in your seat, and you have coffee, and you sit there, and you're not stressed about it. Some of you are. You're white-knuckling the whole way. Physics, you know, and you're worried. But there's important truths to understand there, right? It's amazing to see not only how those things happen, but how the manufacturing to make all those things come together happen. I, I, I marvel. I marvel. I, I don't understand it all. I don't understand all what goes into the computing behind autopilot. Like, what kind of, you know computations have to happen and how that all works that the captain just be like boop autopilot and he's walking to the cabin how's your coffee good flight how's the little one doing right you know i mean and you're just like who's flying the plane it's on autopilot and we don't think too much about it we're in a day and age when people are making self-driving cars you know but if i did that in my car you know when man when i was learning to drive it was like hey mom look autopilot she'd be like get your hands on the wheel right you might not feel comfortable if you're in my car and it's like, oh, it's on autopilot. Don't worry, we'll stop. And we live in a day and age where all those things are happening. I don't get how all that comes together, but there are people who study it. There are people in that discipline who do. And, but let me tell you, there are daily things that you and I put our faith, our trust in that are true about life. They're just not found in the Bible. But they're important disciplines. It's not anti-biblical. It's just non-biblical. Number two in your outline, we have to ask the question, is information is, you know, truth, is it anti-biblical or is it non-biblical? Non-biblical means it's likely true about life. It's just not in the Bible. Now, here's my point. 
Just because your job isn't listed in the Bible doesn't mean your work is non-biblical. See, in the Bible, there's all sorts of jobs that are listed in the Bible. There's apostles, there's teachers, there's a, there's a lot of jobs that are listed in the Bible. But just because your job title isn't listed in the Bible doesn't mean your work and the importance of what you do is non-biblical. Let me tell you one job that's not in the Bible. You'll never find it in the Bible. Youth pastors. You'll never find it in the Bible. It's not, it's, not like, it's not like one of the spiritual gifts. Thank you. I appreciate that, by the way. The rest of you should all be laughing there on the, on the youth area here. It's not in the Bible. But let me tell you what, back in that day, they didn't have public education. And so as long as there's public education, we're going to have youth pastors who are training students to be missionaries in their mission field to reach the furthest out people for Christ. It's a biblical job, but you're not going to find that title somewhere in the Bible. And the same is true of your work and what God has called you to do. We don't have any excuse as Christians not to learn everything we can possibly learn to do the jobs that God has called us to do as best as we can possibly do them. It's really important. God has called you to a high calling. I'm going to put a picture up on the screen. I want to see if you can identify who this is. Go ahead and put that picture up. You guys know who this guy is? Do you know who he is? This is Willis Carrier. Willis Carrier is the inventor of the air conditioning. Let, yes, let's, let's stop. Let's take a moment and give thank you, God, for revealing that truth about life to this man. Now, some of you in this room, you're old enough. You remember, like, you know, uh, you know there's, like, B.C. and A.C. Uh, for you, it's before A.C. Is what, you know, it's not B.C.A.D. And, and so you, um, you, think it, you remember what it was like to drive at night because it was too hot during the day. You remember what it was like. You have to roll the windows down. Air conditioning was four windows down at 60 miles an hour. You had 460 air conditioning. It was just dropping the windows and going, right? That was it. And, and you remember, and a lot of us, we just grown up with it, but man, you go to places like India, you go to other places in the world, it is a luxury. But thank you, God, for giving the man this idea that there are truths that exist that are they're not biblical, it's not in the Bible, but they're not anti-biblical. It's important truth. Your work is important. But let me tell you, your mission as a parent, your mission as a young person, your mission as an individual is not just to teach people about the Bible. That's not the end game. It's a piece of it, but it's not the end game. Listen, and let me say this really carefully. Our job is to lead people to become fully devoted Christ followers. That's why we do what we do. It's why we hold church. It's why we teach the Bible. It's why we have all the ministries of church. It's why we reach into Elk Grove. It's why we reach to the furthest out person with the hope and the love and the message of Jesus Christ. We don't try to become some country club for people who all look alike. It's why we love diversity. We love the heart of God. All these things, we want to lead people to become fully devoted Christ followers. And let me say this very carefully because I don't want you to think I'm a heretic. People need to know that God is bigger than your Bible. And when I say your Bible, I mean your Bible. It might be your NIV or your ESV or the, the you know, King James Version, the old one or the new one, whatever, whatever yours is, right? God is bigger than your Bible. 
People need to know the Bible is intended to be the living, active word of God to people, to us. But it's intended to reveal who he is, that we can know him. And he's a mystery, but we can know him. And the Bible is intended to direct us to him. And the Bible is his words back to us. It is an active, living, alive book. But God is not the book in your hand. God is the living word. The word become flesh. When Jesus came to earth, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. It was his spoken word. It is God. But God put it down in a written form for us so that we would be directed back to know the author of life, to know him personally. You get my point. God has given us this, and it's intended to communicate to us. It is the final authority on all things spiritual. There's no other authority. This is it. The Bible is all true, and yet it God wants to point us, even through his word, to the source, to himself, to relationship with him. Well, let me just say, how many of you in this room, you have a cell phone? You got a cell phone right now? You could pick up your cell phone and you could call somebody. And that cell phone is the instrument by which you communicate your voice, your words, your heart, your relationship to somebody else. It's the medium through which you communicate you. Now, somebody could grab your phone, somebody could steal your phone, and they oh, I know you. No, they don't. They just got your phone. They don't know you by knowing just that phone. The phone is intended to communicate who you are and have relation. It's a portal. It's a medium for relationship with you. In the same way, God's word is living. It's active. It reveals itself to be absolute truth. It is God's communication to you. But don't mistake that God is not a book, that God is almighty. He is creator. And in his grace, he has given us his word Man, we have access to his word, unlike so many other generations. We can read his word. Let me tell you, if you want to see real change in our culture, if you want to see real change in our country, if you want to see real change in our word, then it's a matter of people getting in and reading the Bible and understanding what on earth am I here for and who is God and can I know him personally. And in coming to a relationship with God, we will see transformation in our culture and in our nation and in our world. You don't believe me? Yeah, give that up. That's good stuff. Thank you, because it's... I mean, I'm, I'm reading an article last night on Michael Phelps, and I watched the interview yesterday, just as, you know, opening games and all this stuff, but I'm watching this interview, I'm reading this article, and it talked about how he was, uh, he was getting drunk all the time, he was uh, depressed, he wanted to commit suicide. How about that? A guy who's been to four Olympics, is the most, you know, um, honored Olympian, probably has the most medals in history, and, uh, and the guy's just like, I just need to end my life. Well, at that time, a buddy of his who's a pro football player gave him a copy of Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life. And he began to read and answer the question, what on earth am I here for? See, we would look from the outside and go, we know what you're here for. You're a fish. You're to swim. You know, you're to win medals like dominate. Go, Michael. You know, that's what we think, right? Of anybody who knows what they're there for, that you practice four years for like three or four events. That's pretty specific. Not all of us live our lives that specifically, right? But he's going, what on world am I here for? And, and he just said it absolutely turned him around. And the article didn't go on to say whether he has accepted Christ as Lord, but his reflection, his words. Let me tell you, I've seen four Olympics worth of interviews with Michael Phelps. He seems more relaxed. 
and more at peace with himself now than I've seen in four previous Olympic Games. The Bible is all true. The Bible can lead you into relationship with the Creator, yet not everything true about life is found just in your Bible. I'm going to reveal and dispel a great lie in our culture. There's a massive lie, and if you haven't felt it yourself, certainly young people are feeling it in the school system, in the educational system. Uh, you feel it in the workplace if you're in certain disciplines. And here's what the great lie is. In educational circles, you're either elevated or devalued based on the answer to this question. The lie is this, that people today think they have to choose between God and science. That's the lie. The culture says you've got to choose one or the other. You can't have both. That's the lie. Listen, a Christian must learn the best he or she can from good science. And when I say good science, we're sick and fed up, aren't we? Aren't we sick and fed up of bad science? We're sick and fed up of data that doesn't consider all the data. We're sick and fed up of scientific reports that come back and say, oh, by the way, we, we really had it wrong. We're sick and fed up of bad science. What I'm talking about is a Christian must learn everything he or she can, the best you can through good science. And what I mean by that is accurate testing, precise data, proof testing, and including all the available information, not just the info that biases the desired outcome, which may be driven by grants. It may be driven by money. It may be driven by the ability to be published. It may be driven by a lot of different things, a person's just worldview and, and background. But a Christian must learn the best he or she can through good science. There's a science chart in your program. I want you to look at that. This chart is not to downplay the importance of science. I want you to hear that right away. But I want to show you what the Bible does in regard to science. Number one on the top just says, the earth is a round sphere, Isaiah 40, verse 22. Science used to think earth is a flat disk. Now science says, Earth is a sphere, right? Uh, they used to think that, hey, uh, there are innumerable stars. In Jeremiah 33, 22 is what the Bible says, innumerable stars. Science used to say there's only 1,100. Science now says they're innumerable, and it's growing, right? We, they used to say this, that every star is different. 1 Corinthians 15, 41 is what the Bible says. Science used to say all stars are the same. Science now says every star is different. Look at the, the second to the last one. The ocean floor contains deep valleys and mountains. 2 Samuel 12, 16 and Jonah 2, 6. Science used to say the ocean floor is flat. We now know with additional information, ocean floor contains deep valleys and mountains. You could go through this entire list, but here's what I want you to catch. I want you to catch that the Bible is, the Bible itself is going to amplify good science. Do you see what happens? When we have all the information, you go, well, they didn't know better. I mean, they used to think, you know, the Bible says blood is the source of life and health. But it wasn't that long ago that we were bleeding people with leeches to help them get better. Science now says, no, no, blood is the source of life and health. That's important. Let's keep that stuff in there is what they're saying now, right? The Bible is going to amplify good science. So could it be that when we're doing scientific research today, that there is other information out there that we may not know yet? 
It wasn't that long ago that DNA testing was validated. It wasn't that long ago when, when you know, there just wasn't the ability to know things that we know now and do things that we do now. It wasn't that many years ago, and could it be that not that many years from now we will see advances in science that actually the Bible's going to come along to validate? It's going to amplify good science. The Christian should marvel at what God does in creation as a reflection of the creator himself. Now, where does this lie come from, that you've got to choose between science or the Bible? Where does that lie come from? It comes from the evil one. What does he want to do? He doesn't want you to manage attention. He doesn't want to say there's good truths in science and good science, and there's also amplification of that truth in God's written word. He's going to make you try to decide one or the other. He's going to make you go over here and say, I've got to choose just science, and in doing so, I will miss the creator because I'm studying the creation. And on the other hand, he'll try to say, no, or you go over here and then you just choose Bible and then you're looked at as ignorant and you're looked at as like you don't know what you're talking about. And then people, some people, some people would think, oh, I got to do a study of the Bible. No, there's other truths in life that are important, that are given to us by the Lord, that are important for us to learn. But let's look at Romans 1.20 again. Why is that so critical? I highlighted some different parts of the same verse. Let's look at this together. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Remember, we talked about there's a whole other category that God wants us to know that's not necessarily included in the Bible. That through general revelation, through what has been seen, people are held accountable for the existence of God. But what happens? The enemy comes along and says, no, you got to choose one or the other. And I'm hoping you'll choose this one because you'll miss the creator by simply studying the creation. And it's not true just of science. It's true of materialism. It's true of living for yourself. It's true of just living like the world tells you to live. It's true of ignoring the big issues and just living life like it's a big party. The enemy wants you and I to miss it so that we miss the creator. The deal about the Bible is that you and I are held accountable for those things. That people are actually held accountable through what has been made, through what they have seen, to the existence and the reality of God. But praise be to God, he's also given us the Bible that's all true, that gives legs to that, that gives facts to that, that gives relationship to that. What a beautiful thing. It is. Number three on your outline, the Bible becomes a filter through which we run all truths to ensure they're not anti-biblical falsehoods. The Bible is a filter. So what happens is people are like, this is true. Everybody's doing it. Everybody lives this way. This just seems the smartest thing to do. What happens we take that truth and go, well, I'm not sure yet. So we take that and we filter it through the Bible. Do we say that's one degree off? Do we say, is it biblical, just non-biblical truth, or is it, in fact, anti-biblical? And we filter through the Bible. The Bible becomes a filter through which we run all, quote-unquote, truths to ensure they're not anti-biblical falsehoods. Sometimes it'll be found to be true about life. It's just not covered in the Bible. But other times you will conclude, though widely accepted and widely embraced by everybody, it's actually an anti-biblical falsehood. It's a tension to manage. It's not a problem to solve, but we do need to filter. 
you need to understand and know the Bible, not just to understand and know the Bible. There, I mean, believe me, there are people in the room who, you've been a Christian, you say, I've been a Christian for years, but the truth is you have never read this whole book. You've read parts for years, but you never read the whole thing. You want to see radical change that's in this book. Listen, if you're learning, if you're a single adult and you're like, hey, I'm going to get in the Bible, get a Bible reading plan and just go through it in a year or a year and a half. Uh, parents in the room, how different could your life at home be if you just read one chapter in the Bible at bedtime with your kids out loud for a year? How different would that be a year from now? What kind of things would your kids pick up and understand and know about God? What kind of respect would they have for him and authority? What kind of nature would it bring into your home if you did just that? Get into the word. Read the Bible. It's also important for this reason. The FBI studies, you know, they prosecute when they find counterfeit money. They prosecute you for that. You're not allowed to, like, print it on your home printer or your 3D printer and then use it at stores. It's not allowed. Just make it clear. The FBI will come after you. They'll prosecute you. But the FBI, you know what they do so they can identify counterfeit money? All they ever study, and they study it super intently and super detailed and so thoroughly, all they ever study is the real thing. Yeah, but there's lots of counterfeits out there. They should understand the techniques that counterfeiters are using. No, no, no. All they have to do is know the actual real deal because then when they come across any counterfeit money, they can identify it like that. Because they know the real things so well. Listen, the reason you and I read the Bible is to relate to God, to let it speak to our lives perfectly, to commune with God, but it's also so that we can filter the quote-unquote truths of life so that we can decipher is something in fact an anti-biblical falsehood that even the widely accepted, everybody says it's all good, that God may have a different opinion on that matter. The Bible in that case is the final authority. That's the nature of humans, isn't it? Look with me at Romans 1, uh, 21. Why don't you flip to the next slide real quick? Same passage, Run 21 goes on, Paul says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like human beings and birds and animals and reptiles, right? That's the nature of our culture. Our culture transfers worship from understanding who God is and loving him and having a relationship with him and pursuing and, and understanding him. And what happens is we begin to worship the creation. You say, well, what does that look like? Just like tree huggers? No. What that looks like is our culture worships exercise. Our culture worships energy. Like there's an energy out there. Our culture worships money. Our culture worships nature. It worships exercise and beauty and diversity and sex and science, right? These are all the things that our culture will just bow down. We will worship. It's elevated those things the created and missing the creator but you got to realize that god is the source he's the author of power he's the author of energy he's the, the creator of nature he is the one who caused our bodies to need and thrive with exercise he is the one who creates beauty and diversity and sex and science god created all of it but what happens we begin to worship the creation and we miss the creator you know what that's like that's like saying hey Maybe you're going to go on a vacation. You're going to go on up to Oregon. You're going to drive up the coast, 
And as you're driving up the coast, you're driving up, and you're, you're looking, and you see the sign that says, now leaving California. And you're like, oh, we're, we're almost there. We're almost to Oregon. And just a couple hundred yards away, you can see it. You can see the sign coming. You saw it says, welcome to beautiful Oregon, or something like that, right? It's like you pulling over the car right there, jumping out, and hugging the sign. I love you, Oregon. You're the best. This is so great. Take a couple pictures, get back in your car, and come home. You didn't experience Oregon. You didn't experience the relationships, the memories, the, the experiences, the, the entire scope of the state. You didn't actually arrive at a place where you actually were able to let down and enjoy the presence of the living God or even just the beauty of his splendor in Oregon. You have not experienced any of that. But this is what our world does. We run up and we hug sex. We run up and we hug exercise. We run up and we hug all these things that may have parts that are true about life. But listen, we've replaced God with other information. And in doing so, we don't see sex as God intended it to be, as he created it to be. We don't see our resources, our material possessions, as God intended them to be, as he would like them to be and he created them to be. He doesn't want those things to own us. He wants us to own them but oftentimes what you have will own you. In all these areas, God is saying, listen, don't, don't miss it. There's a whole world that the evil one wants to deceive and to say, hug the sign, miss the experience, miss the relationship. And God is saying to you and to me, come to me. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.